Welcome to an inspiring message from Awaken City Church. For more information about us, visit awakencity.com.au. Are you ready to get started? I want to talk to you tonight about three levels of marketplace anointing. And with that, get started on Revelation chapter 1. Let's pray. Father, thank you tonight for your word. God, I'd hope that you'd remove me from the process in the natural and that you would use my body, my mind, my heart, my tongue and speak to your people so that what they receive tonight is a message from you. I bind myself to the blood of Jesus and the anointing of your Holy Spirit and pray, God, that you would speak through me in Jesus' name. Amen. Revelation chapter 1, verse 5. One thing you need to know about the book of Revelation the Apostle John writing this letter to the churches, he had to write the entire book in code because he was on an island called Patmos, which was a basic prison of war camp where they were all kept. He'd been baptised in hot oil. He had burns all over his body and he got this revelation of God. He had to write the whole letter in code so that the letter would get through to the church. So he used prophetic code terms. He used terms that only those who were spiritually turned on could understand so he could write it to the church. Are you with me? So, you know, it's a book of worship, yes, but it's also a book of great insight and understanding. In verse 5 of chapter 1, it says, From Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth, to... To him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests to God, to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. The scripture reveals that we have been called as kings and priests. And tonight, as I talk to you about the marketplace anointing, I just want you to understand this simple thought and principle from the Scripture, from the text, is that you are called into God as a priest. We are all priests in God. I know traditionally people would refer to me as the priest of the church or the pastor or the vicar or the father or depending on what kind of brand of Christianity you come from, they have this title that they put on you, but in God, you are a priest. In God, you have your responsibility as the husband and as the wife to be the one that's building your prayer altar before God for you and for your family. Are you with me? And in the very same way, you are called as a king. Now, unlike a priest, one who offers sacrifices devoted to Christ, as a king, he has called you or made you or anointed you to be a leader, to be a commander, to be a lord of the land, not just a landlord. Oh, that'll help somebody if you can just catch it. You may not own land, but you can be a lord of the land. In fact, you rent a property right now and you should be a lord of that land. That means you should treat that property like it's God, even though it's owned by somebody else. And you'll find that if you can look after it that way, if you can keep it tidy and clean and maintained as if it is yours, God will give you your own just by being faithful with something that is somebody else's. Everyone in the Kingdom of God is to be a king and a priest. In many ways, tradition has emphasised our priestly role and disregarded our kingly role. The ultimate example of a priest in Scripture is Jesus. The ultimate example of a king in Scripture is David. And when you look at the life of David, you'll see that he was anointed three times as a king. Not once. 
The first time that David was anointed as king, he was somewhere between 16 and 18 years old. Most, sorry, 15 and 16 years old. Most concur that he was around about 16 years old. He was anointed as king at home amongst his brothers. But it's interesting to note that when he was called to that place of being anointed by God as king of Israel, he was working in the field on the day of the anointing. He was working in the marketplace on the day that he was called home to be anointed as the future king of Israel. He was anointed in the midst of his brothers in his family. He was being faithful with his father's sheep. He was so committed to his work that he wasn't considered by his father or Samuel at the time of the anointing. You remember the story, they went through all the brothers and when Samuel had seen all the brothers, he turns to the father and says, is there another son? Could you imagine that? That God has called you to be the one anointed in the marketplace to be the king, to be the leader, to be the influencer in that role. And every single person involved in the ordination process, in the ordaining process, hasn't even thought of you until they've considered everybody else. Not even your own father. Oh yeah, there's there's one other child. It's like someone I know, they have so many kids, they kind of count them. Oh yeah, there's one other. I left him at that house down the road. The first level of being anointed in the marketplace is with every level, there's a test that you've got to pass. And David didn't know it at the time, but he was passing a test while looking after his father's sheep in the field. David didn't know it at the time, but to be forgotten was actually to be favoured. That'll help someone. He was called from the field to the meeting. Salvation is free, but the anointing is costly. David had already been anointed as king when his father... Oh, <laughs> he, so he, he's called from the field into the home. He gets anointed as king of Israel because he passed the first test and that first test is faithfulness in natural things. He'd been faithful with natural things, with his father's sheep. It's really interesting because David, after being anointed there, he's now anointed, but there's no appointing. He's anointed, but there's no throne. And what happens after that is this 15 to 16 year period transpires. And he continues to be identified by the community of faith as the one anointed as the future king, but he doesn't have a throne. He's just a young teenage boy serving his father, looking after sheep. And while he was in that state as a young boy, one day his father calls him and says, David, I want you to play butler to your brothers. And I want you to take this food to them because they're down waiting on the battlefield where the Philistine is shouting out threats against the people of God. And you know what? He's already been anointed king by Samuel. He's already got that calling on his life. And his father says, stop looking after the sheep. Take this meal down to your brothers and serve them. You know what? David didn't consider it lower than his calling to be a butler to his brothers while he'd been anointed as king. 
because he continued in that zone of being faithful in the natural things. This is what the Scripture says in Proverbs 22. I'm reading from the message paraphrase. Observe people who are good at their work. Skilled workers are always in demand and admired. They don't take a back seat to anyone. Your job, your career is God's primary supply channel. Don't neglect your work. Skilled workers are always in demand and admired. Proverbs 14 verse 4. This gets me every time. Without oxen, a stable stays clean, but you need a strong ox for a large harvest. Can I put that into today's terms for you? If you're faithful with the turds, you'll soon own the herd. No, look at the Scripture. Without oxen, a stable stays clean, but you need a strong ox for a large harvest. If you'll be faithful with the turd, turds, you'll soon own the herd. David was faithful looking after his father's sheep. The end of his story is he becomes the king of Israel. We'll get to that in the third anointing in the marketplace and he owns the entire herd. What was, what was the test that David went through to qualify for the second anointing upon his life as king? What, what's the first qualification, the first test that you, you go through to be anointed in the marketplace. And can I respectfully say that many of us are in the marketplace, but we're not anointed. Because we haven't passed the test of just being faithful in the natural things. And during this season, David went through passing the test of the second anointing for kingship upon his life. And that test exposed him. It was while David was down there handing out the meal to his brothers as a butler that he discovered that Goliath was there shouting threats and all that needed to happen was for someone to step up to the plate and take, off, take on Goliath in a battle of death. You need to understand this, that while you're serving in that zone of faithfulness towards natural things, while you're serving as a butler, the law of exposure can kick in and you can find yourself in the right place at the right time, ready to pass the test for the next level. It exposed him to a nationwide problem, Goliath. The law of exposure can cause you to skip the law of experience. Often in the natural, we think we have to have experience to go to the next level. You don't need experience, you need exposure. When David was exposed to a nationwide problem, he he believed in his own mind under the power of God that he could solve that problem that trained soldiers could not solve. He was unqualified and they were qualified, but God had anointed him to solve a nationwide problem. It's the law of exposure. It can cause you to fast track the law of experience. I don't know about you, but I don't think I'm gonna live long enough to experience everything I need to experience so I can go to the next level. Are you with me, somebody? Don't agree too strongly with that statement. He inquired at that moment, He inquired about what is the reward? It was wisdom for David to inquire about the reward for taking Goliath out. And he discovered that the king would enrich him with great riches. He also discovered that the king would give him his daughter in marriage. That's a pretty good deal. You're allowed to laugh. He also 
discovered that his family would become tax exempt. Read the story. (laughs) David thought, it's an offer too good to be true. I get money, I get the girl and I get tax exemption. If you learn more, you earn more. Guarding the sheep in a connect group could expose you to your greatest opportunity. Did you know that? I've got to say that because I'm talking to carriers tonight. I'm talking to connect group leaders. I'm talking leaders of departments. But you've got to understand that you might think, oh, I'm just running this little connect group. But you know what? In the Kingdom of God, God says, hey, you're looking after my sheep. You're tending, you're keeping, you're keeping the bear away. You're keeping the lion away. I'm going to expose you to a problem that you can solve and that'll take you to the next level. He passed the test during that season of being faithful with the natural things. The next anointed anointing for King David happened at Hebron. You can read it in 2 Samuel chapter 2. It starts around about verse 4. And it was 13 to 15 years after the first anointing, he was anointed at Hebron. It was the highest mountain in the region. It was both difficult and dangerous to climb. You get hurt climbing Mount Hebron. I told you before, salvation is free, but the anointing is costly. The word Hebron literally means seat of association. At the second level, you get proven to be faithful in relationship. It was at this point that David was anointed King of Judah. You know, in that first place of anointing in the marketplace where you're faithful with natural things, God reveals your kingly anointing, your market place anointing to you personally. When David was anointed at home, his brothers did not accept the anointing that came on his life. Read the story of when he went down to feed his brothers, even though it happened right there in his midst, it wasn't confirmed to them, but it was confirmed to David and David knew in his heart that he'd been anointed by God. But here at Hebron, at the seat of association, at the place of association, at the place of relationship, it was at this point that God confirmed to David's family and friends that he was now a king. Most workers don't progress in their career or calling because they're unable to handle the pain of relationships. David passed the test of relationship pain, conflict, rejection, persecution, to name a few. If you can handle the hurt, you'll handle the promotion. Every anointing can be increased and needs to be to meet the demands of the next level. There is a test for every new level of influence. There is a huge difference between your calling and your anointing. You need an anointing to function as a king, not just a calling. And David had it. It was during this time that David suffered the harsh treatment from Saul and formed a unique relationship with Jonathan. Next in line for the throne. Understand this, here is Jonathan next in line for the throne in the natural process to Saul. He becomes friends with Jonathan, a really unique relationship. He passed the test of faithfulness in relationship. He also led the small group of 400 discouraged and discontent and in-debt men in victory in battle. And then that final place of anointing where David was anointed at Zion. There's such an incredible progression here. He's first faithful over the natural things and he's faithful in relationship. He was able to handle the pain of relationship. But then when it comes to being anointed at Zion, David was anointed the third time the day Saul died. 
was the day that David was anointed king of Israel. When you look at Saul in Scripture, Saul represents the flesh. And when your flesh dies, the anointing and the appointing collide. The third level is faithful ruling, not your flesh, but faithful ruling in unity. David first became king of Judah before he became king of Israel. He became king of Israel at Zion, which is the city of God. David brought together north and south in unity to become king over all of Israel. You've got to understand that the Bible separates the entire world into two nations, sheep nations and goat nations. Sheep nations are submissive, goat nations rebellious. David had that dynamic going on within the nation at that time and he was able to lead a charge of unity. He wasn't just faithful in the natural things. He was faithful in relationship. But he was also skilled in bringing about a unified move of the entire nation together to fight as one nation under God. Here's what you need to know about the marketplace anointing. Wherever you find yourself at what level? Level one, just being faithful in the natural things. Maybe you're currently being tested so that you can be promoted in the area of level two anointing in the marketplace because, and if you want to find out if you're going through that test right now, just look around and see if there's any relational conflict going on. Are there any betrayals that you're having to work through? Is there any pain in relationships in the workplace that you just cannot seem to see the light on? I want to tell you, if you can be faithful climbing Mount Hebron, which is a place that is hard to climb, if you can handle the pain of relationship, guarantee God is setting you up for that final anointing that can take you all the way to where God wants you to go in the marketplace. When David became king of Israel, he united northern and southern Israel as one nation under God. Every anointing can be increased to meet the demands of a greater responsibility or capacity. As we come in where we're really just trusting God to breathe afresh on us, you need to understand at level one, God confirms kingship over your life. And to bring it into the best context for us today in the marketplace, if you're happy being an employee for the rest of your life that clocks on and clocks off, Please don't take the next things I'm going to say the wrong way. But you must understand, conservative figures are, 95% of the working population work for 5%. Actually, the figure they say is that the working population work for 3% of the population. And the difference between a worker and a boss Workers work, bosses think. Learn more, earn more. I'm not trying to be offensive to anyone in the room. I don't have to try apparently, it just happens. (laughs) But it also happens when you speak truth. 
You've got to understand that God wants to anoint you in the marketplace and with that anointing will come a responsibility, a demand. If God wants anyone leading and influencing in the marketplace, put yourself in God's position just for a moment. Please don't do this for more more than one and a half seconds, but put yourself in God's position. Does He want a Christian, God-fearing man or woman leading the department? Or does He want someone who's not surrendered to God leading the department? Kind of simple response, isn't it? He wants you. And so you've got to know that God will anoint you for that marketplace role and out of that anointing will come a supernatural supply of wisdom, a supernatural supply of skill, a supernatural supply of favour so that you get an unfair advantage in the marketplace. God wants to confirm that anointing upon your life for the marketplace. I don't know where you're at. It's not up for me to tell you what level you're at. I look at myself here and think I'm still walking through that second level to get to a place where I can just gather a marketplace anointing that can have influence of significance. Sure, I have seen God anoint me in different spaces and zones in nations we've gone into, but I'm trusting God that I can just walk the line with God under Lordship and get to that place where that anointing can get on a level where we can really begin to bring glory to God as He intended it to be. At the first level, God confirms it to you personally. The second level, He confirms it in your paternal world, your family and your friends. And at the third level, it's a public life confirmation of a marketplace anointing upon you. Let me pray with you. Father, we're not looking at success for success sake. We simply want to be good stewards of the grace that you provided for us. God, for business owners, for entrepreneurs, for professionals, for employees here tonight, we're all looking to you, God, that you would anoint us in that marketplace zone so that we can be all, do all and have all that you intended for us that we would bring glory to You in Jesus' Name. We thank You for it, Lord. It's why we have to carry a confidence in God. Could I ask you to stand to your feet? I'm not going to try and recall where I was having the conversation, but I was having a conversation recently about confidence with leaders. And one of the points I made was that you have to be confident that you are God's vessel in that moment for those people. So you have to, you cannot afford to go into that space and not be confident that you are God's vessel in that moment for those people. You are God's voice, you are God's ambassador, you are God's person. If you wanna say it, you're God's band of power in that moment. But then I qualified it by saying, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying confident in yourself, confident in the Lord, causing you to be the vessel in that moment. And I said, think about Moses. 
He wasn't confident in himself. He had a long conversation with God trying to talk God out of sending him to be the man. Think about Gideon. He wasn't confident in himself. He didn't even, he, you know, he, he was the kind of guy that said, I, I don't even, I'm from like the least of the least. I'm not even from Quinana, I'm from Armadale. <laughs> Forgive me, I just try to connect the dots. And not only am I from Armadale, I'm like from the, the, the back streets. And God says to Gideon, you're my mighty man of valour. Okay, think about Peter. Peter preaches a three minute message. 3,000 people get saved. It's the first mass crusade that happens in the book of Acts. Three minutes, 3,000 people get saved. We preach for 45 and lucky to get three saved. It's the first message in the New Testament. You reckon he was confident in himself? Can I remind you that seven weeks earlier, he publicly denied the Lord. Publicly, seven weeks earlier. Do you think he was confident in himself? No, he stood up in that moment, he was confident in the Lord. Not just for ministry, but for the marketplace. If you're going into that boardroom to that deal, you've got to know that you are God's vessel in that hour to sign the deal. Hello. If you're solving problems in the education system and you've been brought onto the board to be a consultant, you've got to know that you are God's voice in that moment. And if you're the only godly voice there, you better speak up. You can't be having a bad hair day. You can't be having a day where you think, oh, I'm low as me. You've got to be confident in God. If He's given you ownership of a business, you've got to know that God has put you in that business as His steward to make it profitable and not just a little bit profitable, but very profitable. Because as a king, one of the things you're called to do is gather resource to rule. I don't know if you've worked it out yet, but this world works with money. I don't know if you've worked it out. Does anyone have a $100 bill? Some, I know we don't have a lot of cash. Who's got a $100 bill? Thank you, son. Thank you, son. Just need to get some dinner after lunch, after church. I'm going to remind myself why I got this $100 bill. Um, this, this $100 bill just came from the hands of a godly person, right? I'm not sure. <laughs> this $100 bill just came from a godly person. Came into my hands, make your own judgments. Don't know where it's been before. Two days ago, could have been in one of the worst charactered persons in the state. Could have been. We don't know. When it leaves Jordan's hands and goes to the next place, who knows where it'll go? It can go and buy food to provide for a family. I don't know. Maybe it can go and buy drugs to do something really bad. It has no character until it falls into the hands of the person with a character. If I was God, I would prefer that a million dollars was in your hands as a believer than in the hands of an unbeliever. You must establish a right relationship with money. Often we don't have it because we don't have a right 
relationship with money. Can we begin to worship? Thanks, Bilsey. Father, let visions fall upon your people. Let chains of wrong thinking fall off. As we come to you tonight, God, for that anointing in the marketplace. And God, for those that are carrying it at the level that's required, I'm praying that you open up in the days ahead the appointment of that place of rulership, of influence, the promotion. Thanks for listening to this message. We hope it has blessed you. If you would like to find out more about Awaken City Church, visit awakencity.com.au.